You've heard of Huntley and Brinkley, McNeil and Lehrer, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob and Ray. Now here's Mishigas and Malarkey. All right, all right, all right. Hello, hello. How you doing? Great. Episode seven. Wow, well, wow. this will be the lucky one. This is the one where we uh, we get it all together and it makes sense, right? And we and we go out and buy lotto tickets. <laughs> there you go. What? Not NFTs? Not enough who? NFTs. We got to oh, get NFTs. NFTs. Yes, non, yes. Non-fungible tokens. Yes. Did you yes. see the the Macy's parade had special edition NFTs? What? You, uh, yeah, I'm not making this up. It I didn't was, see it. Um, it was um, it was on the Macy's website. I don't know if it was Macy's.com/slash/nfts. I don't know if it was that simple, but it was. Uh, they were selling these. They were like artistic prints of like weird illustrations of like the balloons and stuff. Ah. And um, I don't know. They were like thousands of dollars. I don't know what the you know, I have no idea what was going on. Collectibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can. Yeah. What what collectibles did we accumulate, you know, growing up and all? Um, my favorite ones, you remember there was a toy company called Marks that used to make a lot of like cool toys when we were kids. And they had these things called Nutty Mads. No, and I nut- didn't know about them. Yeah, Nutty Mads were like these, um, I mean, this is when I was like five years old. They were like these stats that were based on cartoon characters. They were like little mm. plastic figurines that were, they look sort of like the the Don Martin cartoons from Mad uh, Magazine, but they yeah. were like different characters. And mm-hmm. I, I remember, uh, I think my uncle bought me one of them for some reason and then somebody else bought me one and i don't know i wound up with like a dozen of them on my dresser and i that's the first time i remember having something that was like a uh you know get them all collect them all yeah, yeah. type of thing you know i don't and know then, how uh, i wound up with them but i i think they're at a gas station you could get these um speaking of tokens they were like coins right Right. And they're metal coins and they were sort of heavyish. And um, I don't know if it was presidents or if it was, you know, historical, you know, moments, events. But uh, I uh, for a long time and I may still have, you know, buried somewhere in a in a box in an attic. Uh, there was a, a, a brown sort of like a coin roll type plastic case for those. And I remember, you know, collecting quite a bit of those and and um, keeping that collection for a long while. Yeah, I, I remember I remember stuff like that. Yeah, where there would be different uh, different, you know, like inventors on coins. That there you go. Stuff. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that that type of craziness. Um, yeah, I had a thing that was like it was from the supermarket. Um, like every week you could buy like two presidents every week, like two presidents came out or something. (laughs) And, and there was like a styrofoam stand that kind of was made to look like the steps of the Capitol or something. Yeah. And you would buy these little like 
three or four inch tall statues of the presidents. And over the course of however many weeks or months, you would collect them all. And, um, and then the last one was Nixon. I guess mm. it was Nixon. Maybe it was Johnson. But anyway, the, uh, but it, it was like you would, you would have your own, you could have like your own little like hall of presidents. Hall of presidents. Of your, yeah. On top of your dresser. Yeah. That, that type of thing. And then know. there were also the cards. Like I definitely, I collected baseball cards. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had baseball cards, football cards. I had, there were actually cards for the Apollo spacecraft. Yeah. And I, I remember having a bunch of those. And I ran out and bought many years later uh, the, um, what was it? The uh, Operation Desert Storm trading cards. Oh, there you go. So I have, uh, I have, uh, who was that general, the big guy? Not uh, Powell. uh, Schwartz. Schwartz Yes, yes. I have, I have the Schwartzkopf card. And I think I also might have the Dick Cheney card, you know, so I have those somewhere in a box. Well, see, now they have, apparently, uh, Joe Biden is a big fan of these things, the challenge Ooh. coins. Oh, yes. You That's know, right. challenge Trump coins became too. a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he was obsessed. In fact, he had, um, he had like special edition ones made yes. of, of him on it or something. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is like a whole... A whole Anything you know. to, to hawk, you know, uh, via email, his very large email uh, database. In fact, we, we can link up to the topic now because I think there were Beatles trading cards. Oh, absolutely. I still have a few of those. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so should we... So should the we... topic... You know, well, before we get into the Beatles, let's just give a... Like, how was your Thanksgiving? What did you do? It was it was good. You know, I ate. I saw some relatives. Uh, nothing got violent. Everything was okay, more or less. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one little... One little dust up, but I had nothing to do with it. It was uh, my niece yelling at my sister, and Ooh. I was not involved at all. So, wow. you know, was that so. was that was that niece yelling at her mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, her own mom. How old is the niece? Uh, what is she now? She's forty three. Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't like a teenage meltdown or anything. No, 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 no. It was my my sister was starting some kind of trouble with my niece's daughter and oh, my niece wow. got so it was the three so of you're them. A, are you you're a great uncle then yeah yeah wow yeah yes i'm i'm i'm, I'm a great uncle right. but um well i've always been a great uncle but, yeah uh, you know but anyway other than that it was fine it was okay. uh, you know had some turkey pumpkin pie apple pie yep. all that kind yep. of stuff mm-hmm. so what yeah. did you do did you, oh uh, yeah we did about the same i mean we only have just the four of us here uh, uh my son lives uh not far from us and my daughter who used to live uh on this coast uh flew in from the other one and so we had the uh you know, the whatever you want to, the Fantastic Four or whatever you want to call call the group. And um, so that was nice. And yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, that's the best way to set, do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the best way to do it is, you, just, you know, just keep it to immediate family. That way things don't get too, you know. Right. Right. To, uh, and in uh, most, of, uh, you know, in the afternoon there, I was glued to the to the Beatles documentary which uh, I was happy to have instead of, I guess there are usually football games or something, right? People uh, usually. Yeah. Yeah. In, in fact, I, I 
think the football games that were on yesterday were all terrible. Oh. I I turned on the Saints game last night and that awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, a, a well, a good friend of mine lives in Louisiana and she was Ooh. a Saints fan. So I sort of became a Saints fan through osmosis right. just from. Uh, well, see, when when I was a kid, I lived in Maryland and I was a Baltimore Colts fan. And then the Baltimore Colts uh, became a terrible team. And then they left Baltimore, like literally by dark of night. You know, it was like this famous story where they, uh, they, they packed up. Yeah, yeah, they did. They fled Baltimore they, and they went. They heard to, there was a run on tar and feathers. Yeah, something. Yeah, they were going to be run out of town anyway, I suppose. So they, uh, so they, uh, they went first and they went to Indianapolis. So, uh then eventually Baltimore got a new team years later, the Ravens. But by that point I was living in New York. So I kind of, you know, thought like, well, you know, I'm really no longer a Colts fan because they're in Mm. Indianapolis and who cares about Indianapolis. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I, I became like, uh, more or less a giants fan for years, Uh, just because if you live in New York, it was, you know, that was the, the thing to do. And the Giants team. were good at that time. And mm-hmm. then, uh, uh, you know, so I, it's like that thing where I don't really have a team. I can like root for, you know, because mm. my childhood team deserted me, I feel uh, justified in having yeah. no, no allegiance. So um, thanks to my friend Megan, I became a uh, New Orleans Saints fan a couple yes. of years ago, which was kind of interesting because they were doing fairly well, but now they're just awful. So right. that was, uh, I tried watching some of that last night and it was terrible. Mm, terrible but yeah i was watching the beatles yesterday and it was uh did you start it, today's uh episode i started yeah i only got about 10 minutes into it because ah, it's uh, like three hours long and i sat there today and watched it yeah it it's um and no spoilers okay it, for people it, who you know haven't seen it don't tell them that george comes back because that, you know, <laughs> right, right. that would be a spoiler yeah nobody would know that right um that yeah I, I was um you know i started watching it and i was you know i'd really been looking forward to it and the the backstory for me is that there's been bootleg recordings of that stuff circulating for years so i can remember hearing some of the music from those sessions mm-hmm. um literally going back to the late seventies, there was a vinyl bootleg called sweet apple tracks that Mm. a, uh, a friend in college had a copy of. And I remember we used to play it in the dorm room and it was interesting because it was like the Beatles playing songs that we knew, but they were like calling out the chord changes. And to us, that was just like mind blowing, like, Oh my God, we're (laughs) like eavesdropping on the Beatles, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, then over the years, like more and more of this stuff would circulate. And I, at one point I downloaded a bunch of uh, bootleg CDs of that stuff. And I was looking earlier today cause I couldn't remember exactly what, what it was. There's one set that's like nine CDs and another one mm. that's like eight CDs. It's a lot of stuff, but it's really like weird and difficult to listen to. Mm. And watching the movie now, it really makes a lot more sense because on the bootleg CDs, all the tracks are like 15 minutes. 
which is like how long the reel of tape would run. Mm -hmm. And when you can see them sitting in the studio and just sort of fooling around and playing different songs, it makes a lot more sense when you mm -hmm. only can hear it. You're thinking, you know, what the hell are these guys doing? You know, it doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> like all of a sudden they're playing a snippet of a, of a Dylan song and then a Buddy Holly song and then a Chuck Berry song and then one of their own songs and right. none of it really adds up. But when you can actually see what's going on, the, the visual component of it is really important. I mean, it, it really adds everything to it it makes mm -hmm. a lot more sense yeah um you know, like they're having like at times it seems they're having like a it's like when it's deal with each other one of them will start playing an old rock and roll song and then they'll all play that and then everything is fine for a while you know it's kind of a yeah a kind of a palate thing. cleanser yeah yeah it's interesting it how that would takes like them back the, to the uh to their early dynamics you know when they when they were tight you know yeah if I, it, it's interesting just the you use the word dynamics the dynamics of how they deal with each other in the film is is so interesting to me and i was watching it yesterday and i you know really dawning on me like how um how important they were at the time and you know like i when i was a kid i was like so aware of them like i can remember like you know when a life magazine would arrive that they were in that was like a big deal you know mm -hmm. it was like you know they you know the beatles were always a big giants deal. giants yeah yeah there's really no one else like that today i suppose i mean i guess maybe there's a kid out there gets excited about taylor swift or something but mm -hmm. um it, no one has that. Taylor Swift speak, speaking of her, um, you know, she just broke the uh, record for uh, American Pie, right? For the, the longest, right, for her longest 10 minute single. version yeah. of the uh, the the uh, Jake Jake Gyllenhaal revenge anthem at number one at number yeah. one. So well, I said, sad eyed lady, of the lowlands never made it on the charts. So right. It would have been my choice. But, you know, that was. Um, staying up for days at the chelsea hotel right uh well yeah that's a reference that was to that. yeah yeah so that was from sarah on what was that right. blood on the tracks uh was desire desire right yeah and uh you know i i actually uh spent a night in uh the chelsea hotel just for the fun of it um i don't know what the i think it's being renovated now uh yeah it was I think it was sold a while ago or something. Yeah. I don't know. And and they were going to, there was some controversy stalled. about it. Yeah. Um, I, there was something, you know, cause there had been permanent residents there and there, there yeah. was a controversy about would they all be evicted? I, I don't know. I, mm. I think they, they're all, I think they can all live there until they die out or something, something. Of that. So whenever I, I'm in, you know, New York and I typically would pass by there, I, poked my head in and I found the uh, last time or one or two times ago, which was, would be in the past few years. Um, I uh, saw that the El Quixote is, is still open. So I went oh, in. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but uh, a last note on Taylor Swift after the last episode we did where, you know, we said, what is her deal? Um, you know, I went back and I, I think I watched, uh, miss americana or something there's a documentary on her right right and then i um 
you know, watched that all too well, the 10 minute thing. And I consumed a lot of Taylor Swift content because I was trying to understand. I mean, up until the old, the last episode we did, I was not, I don't think I ever really actually heard a whole song through of hers. Right. And, you know, I mean, my kids, you know, were big fans, are big fans, but I never really paid much attention to it. And so I came away from all that, you know, with, some with you know more respect and more empathy for her uh situation where you know it seemed like she ran into a lot of difficulties uh but you know when i um uh heard simultaneously about the issue where there was a young woman in a car that was flashing a hand signal that she learned on tiktok did you see that yeah 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 so the only thing I could think of was after, you know, watching the 10 minute uh, Taylor Swift video, you know, of the uh, of, of her relationship. The only thing I could think of was the, you know, the the, the hand with the thumb folded over, right, right. curled <laughs> over it. Like, right. you know, it's it seemed like, you know, her, in that relationship, she should have been flashing that sign to somebody, you know, like, uh, get me get me out of here kind of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't. I mean, it's one of those things I just don't understand. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I mean, I understand it. I know what happened. I mean, I, you know, but the, but it's like, you know, what, you know, there's, I don't know. I mean, she, she goes out with these guys who are like movie stars or something. And then it's like also terrible, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, come yeah. on. You know? Yeah. And she was what, 20, 20 years old or twenty. 221 i don't know something like that um and he was like 29 and you know it's kind of like uh, i don't know you know didn't didn't someone take him aside and say not a good idea but anyway back to the beatles okay well i guess he needed you as his uh spiritual rabbi. advisor yeah yeah, <laughs> rabbi, his rabbi. You know. <laughs> you yeah. a lot of these shows today that i watch uh for example there was did you see the remake of scenes from a marriage with uh oscar isaac and uh Who's the who, who's the the actress in that? Oh yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, um, she yeah, was pretty producing. Think of her name. And then you know you watch all these different series and you go, you know, where are the therapists? Where are the rabbis? Where are the you know religious uh, uh, spiritual advisors? Uh, these things are so ill advised. But anyway, okay, back to the Beatles. So yeah, so um, fascinating the uh, interpersonal dynamics there. Yeah, um, but the, well, you know, the thing that is interesting is um, you, in fact, at one point, McCartney, in, in, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but at one point in the first episode, McCartney says something like, well, you know, I've been, I've been running the band for the last couple of years, or I've been in charge of the band or something mm -hmm. like that, because as they're sitting in the studio, he's sort of the conductor, you yeah. know and um well he uh, somebody said posted on twitter you know months ago something about um you know that uh mccartney was really the leader of the beatles from you know such and such a date on and right. i and i was like why why do you what happened then and um he was making a good argument that sergeant peppers came out and so you know i what whatever it was whether it was you know lennon getting bored or lennon getting later on you know distracted with uh, yoko 
and then, of course, in the documentary now, they're talking about when uh, Brian Epstein, the, I guess the manager, died, right? Right. So there was no, um, as McCartney puts it, there really needs to be a father figure in here saying, okay, boys, get your suits on. Uh, because, you know, there was kind of a lack of discipline. But then again, they were all going their own ways. Um, well, yeah. yeah, see, the thing the thing that has always been interesting about them is, and there there's a, a, a book that came out years ago of the Beatles Day by Day. And you can actually look up any day in the 60s, and it will tell you what the Beatles were doing. And for a lot of those days they were in the studio as if it was like a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we, in today's world, you know, bands go years without making albums. And then there's like a whole thing of like, you know, they, they do a documentary on how it took them six years to make the album or some, you know, some crazy thing. And mm -hmm. the Beatles would just like turn up. I mean, they, they literally, they were like girls who would stand in the parking lot and, to drive up in their car mm -hmm. and they would go into the uh the the emi studio on abbey road and just work all day and work at night and you know they did a tremendous amount of work so they really sure. by the time that like the footage that i've been watching where they're at the the twickenham studio and like you know it's ostensibly a rehearsal for the the live show that never really happened um you know, well, the, they, they were, they were... That, the live show that became the rooftop. Uh, right, right. But yeah. they, but they, you know, they had been in the studio a lot with each other. It's oh, interesting sure. because um, there doesn't have to be like a lot of communication. Like at times, you know, McCartney kind of like looks at John Lennon and Lennon just starts playing something, you mm -hmm. know, and it's almost like they know exactly what they oh, have yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. And, um, but it, the, the footage of John Lennon is kind of a revelation because he seems, I was wondering if he was bothered more than the others by being on camera because he, he seems, he's like very quiet and like in his own world. And then he kind of lights up and he smiles and he starts playing the guitar mm. and like all of a sudden he's like fully present. And then at other times he kind of checks out and it's mm. sort of like, you don't know if he's bored or if he's angry. I mean, he doesn't mm. seem angry though. He seems to be in very good spirits right, about right, things, right. but he just seems to, um, I was thinking maybe he, he saw the camera as an in, intrusive thing and that made him like a little more guarded hmm. or something like that. Um, well, I don't know, know if I'm it, thinking it, about the <clears throat> second episode, but um, you know, he really, he he really uh, just kind of has a stream of consciousness. I mean, you know, first of right. all, uh, Ringo, the revelation for me with Ringo, and I actually started uh, watching, you know, waiting for the second episode to drop. I started watching the Ringo Masterclass, which is a new thing on that Masterclass uh, platform where he, you know, tells you all about how he, uh, you know, how he came up and, and how he developed his, his drumming style. But the, the revelation is, I mean, he is so good natured right. uh, in this. And, you know, there's never like a cross word with him, um, I guess, because he's the guy that came in later. They sort of, you know, uh, quote unquote, hired him. Right. The other right. ones. Yeah. He um, was like Mr. <clears throat> show business, you know, like yeah, they, a pro. Like, Right, or like they knew who he was when yeah. they were 
when they were starting out, he was already kind of established. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he comes in on time. I mean, he's it's like he's punching a clock. Right. So, so you know, they've all come out of this uh, factory kind of town thing, or I guess you work on the docks or something. Right. And it's a, it's a job. And, you know, they treated it as a job. And, of course, you know, they they had to do all those crazy shows in uh, Hamburg and and Liverpool. I mean, they they worked like crazy. And so by the time we see them in this, uh, you know, they're kind of drifting. Uh, they probably have enough money, I would say. You know, I know right, they, right. Exactly. I know they still were they were still raking it in. You know, for, they've been the, the estates and, the, and whatever have been raking it in, you know, ever since. But I mean, that whole that you know they don't need to worry about whether or not they're making it they need to worry about whether or not they want to be doing it you know kind of thing is this worth doing right and, and there's uh, there's still um at the time of this filming lennon and ringo were 28 mccartney was 26 and i i think george was 25 mm -hmm. so they're all like by very you young know, today's standards if right. somebody's uh you know a, a performer and they're 28 they're considered a beginner more right. or less you know right. so but because yeah. of the all the years that they <clears throat> compressed you know during during those very uh intense periods they were probably you know much older so much so that you know they, they remember all of the influences for all the different songs and you know they're starting to play of course it seems like from this mccartney is the is the musical one i think he came from a musical family Right. And, and the others, I'm not sure if they did. Um, but, you know, he 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 basically knew, you know, what what was that uh, period? It was like a music hall, right? Stuff, I guess. Well, his yeah, his father um, was would play the piano and sing all the, the old songs and right. that sort of thing. Did, did you see there's a, a series on Hulu where Rick Rubin sits with mccartney and they play old. yeah i didn't see that because they don't have hulu okay it it's it, it it's really interesting but one he talks at one point about mccartney goes on talking about his family his father uh bought a secondhand piano or something and his father could play piano and and his father would sing and everybody in the family was very musical. And whenever they would have gatherings for the holidays, everybody would sing and it was that kind of thing. And he said that uh, his childhood and his house was always very happy. People were always singing. The radio was on. There was always music on. It was it was this sort of thing. And then he befriended john lennon and lennon's father had left and his mother had died and he was i guess he was living with his aunt and he said john's life was very unhappy and he always had a lot of problems so in the songwriting it it you know i mean as kids we always knew this it was right there in the songs mccartney was always writing kind of the silly light-hearted stuff and john lennon would have like the dark part mm -hmm. of the song mm -hmm. you know and um something like a day in the life is, is you know like the classic example where the john lennon parts at the beginning and the end are like the serious parts and then mccartney writes the the part in the middle that sort of you know got up got out of bed and you know the the sillier parts mm -hmm. and in in 
this footage that we've been watching now, you kind of see that where like, you know, John Lennon again is like, now he's very quiet in it. Like, that's why I was wondering if he was subdued in front of the camera or, or there was something maybe, you know, he was just, you know, there was something odd. There's something odd about his demeanor because he's sort of not really there. But then when he is there, he seems perfectly happy to be mm -hmm. there. He's not upset. And in the second, in the second episode, um, yeah, I think maybe, you know, he, Lennon was kind of pissed because, um, uh, you know, McCartney is like running the show. And right. I, I guess it was John's band, right? Originally, I mean, he was the originally, yeah, it had been he had a band and he brought McCartney in as, you know, a exactly. 16 year old or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then McCartney brought Harrison in. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they picked up Ringo later. Um, and uh, so I think that uh, my feeling was that, you know, at the beginning, it was not so much. Sub uh, the, the reason he was kind of subdued and not ha happy, Lennon, was that, you know, it really seemed like this, you know, McCartney was, quote unquote, running the show. And um, and McCartney gets frustrated with a bunch of them, including Harrison, um, you know, trying to give them direction, you know, as far as playing and. Uh, but in the second, I don't know if, uh, if, if it picks up in the second episode where they get Billy Preston in uh, to play the keyboards. Right. And once he comes in, it changes the whole dynamic of all of them. And now all of that stuff kind of fades. And uh, it's kind of nice to see. But I, I, again, I also think that Lennon is, uh, he's got such a stream of consciousness going. I mean, he is doing voices and imitations and he's like quoting things that they probably remember from when they were teenagers or before. And, you know, just all these pop culture references that he's throwing right. in there and snatches of music and bringing in all the old, um, you know, rock and roll songs. So uh, he's, he's just, I mean, McCartney is obviously musically, his mind is always working. I don't know if it's in the first episode or the second where basically there's like argument going on, you know, be, between a few of them and McCartney is just like composing on the piano. Yeah. There's, the, yeah. There's one scene where McCartney is, he's sitting at the piano talking to their roadie Mal. Right. And also writing the long and winding road. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Just, it, while the, while right. the other guys are arguing. The yeah. Background. The other guys are like bickering or talking about right. something. And McCartney's having a conversation with a guy yeah. as he's writing. The, then he, at one point he, he asked the roadie about like a, a word choice. And then right. we'll, we'll see the roadie would, was also like their scribe. He would yes, write, yes. he would write the lyrics down as they were yeah. doing things. Yep, and um, I mean it's it, it's just like a funny scene. Like, oh well, there's nothing going on. I think I'll just sit here and write the long and winding road. Yeah, you know. You know. And so, um, uh, the, we, you know, we should say that the 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 supporting characters are great. You know, and you really you get to know all of them. Uh, you know, the Beatles, obviously, but the, and then uh, you see Linda a lot. I don't know if you've seen her yet. And just the yeah, first yeah, episode. yeah. And of course, Yoko, you see a lot. And then everybody else, you know, from the from the, you know, guys that bring them the tea and toast and the scribe and the, you know, the people that are moving the machinery around and the 
people in the control room and all that. I mean, it's and just the, the it's George's a, Harry Krishna friends. Oh yeah, yeah, sitting <laughs> off in the corner. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, people I mean, talk about like the Grateful Dead having weird things at recording sessions, but there's like I I never even realized the uh, the Harry Krishna people were sitting there with the Beatles. And yes. That was, you know, or well, I might have one, I might have read guy, that somewhere, but until you, you know, see one them, or two right? guys were there, yeah. but uh, uh, it was funny because the other two had brought their wives in. I guess uh, I'm not sure where Ringo's wife was. Was she? Did she come in there? Yeah, well, she she is there at one point. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I yeah. did see her in either late. It must. Yeah, it's late in the first episode or very early in the second because that's all I've gotten into the second oh, one. Oh, but so Patty far. Harrison does do a an appearance in the second episode. Oh, so okay. that's that's nice. She's not but, she, she's not uh, accompanied by Eric Clapton or anything. Yeah, so well, that was still still uh, still, still to, to come, be, still to be played out. I suppose mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember the the exact chronology of all that. Yep. That was uh, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. 50th anniversary of that scandal too i guess is oh. coming up. and now of course clapton is you know creating a new scandal right him and uh, uh van morrison right they're they're apparently anti-vaxxers or something yeah yeah some yeah it's like some weird thing you know i mean i don't i don't what's I don't it all about it. yeah i don't they, get it they, they, well they were upset about the lockdowns in the uk was mm-hmm. the beginning of it and uh, it's almost like a spinal tap worthy thing where it's like these old rock stars who wanted to do shows and they couldn't because it was a global pandemic. And, and they're like, you know, like, like stuffy old Englishmen saying, what, what we have to not do what we want to do because there's a global pandemic. Who ever heard of such a thing? Freedom, freedom though, freedom. Well, you know, I, I just before we uh, started recording, I got a news alert on my phone from the New York Times that this new variant in South Africa may be oh. able to evade vaccines. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's unclear. what. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I, I just got my booster a week ago. So mm-hmm. now uh, I got my booster. Maybe now we're back to square one. Oh, Could boy. be. Could you be. Know. So, uh, well, the Stones just—I uh, mean, uh, Dylan was back on tour, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been—he uh, was at the Beacon, he was at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, he was different places in the Midwest. And what is he doing and, these days? Well, I mean, uh, what, what kind of a show does he put on? A lot of it—you you can actually find uh, some chunks of it on YouTube. People have posted. Uh, audio recordings on youtube so you can actually check some of it out he's been doing a lot of stuff from the new album from you know the uh rough and rowdy ways album Mm. and uh i i went to listen to some of it but the the recording wasn't very good so i'm I'm gonna have to find a better recording to Mm. uh check out what what's actually going on i mean some of these some of these people will like record stuff on their phone and then post it thinking, you know, it's like gold, but it, it really is, you know, there are such things as really good bootleg recordings, but Mm -hmm. they often take a while to, to surface. Um, People, you know, there's like a whole weird bootlegging culture. People have these like very expensive directional microphones that they, Mm. 
you know, weave into their dreadlocks or whatever and wear them <laughs> at the show. And I, I mean, no, seriously, it's a whole thing. And, wow. uh, but some, some of the recordings that are out there aren't that good, but it, it's a lot of stuff in the new album. And it, see, the problem is it, all these people posting about it online are all raving about how great it is, but I, I don't, I don't really consider them very credible sources because mm. a lot of them I know to be like, no matter what Dylan does, it's the greatest thing, mm. you know? All and, right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll wait for your, you know, full uh, review or at least your um, more informed review. Meanwhile, um, I went to uh, New York a few weeks ago. Yeah. What and, was all that about? Yeah. And uh, what, what, just, what kind of mission were you on? Oh, well, no, I, the, this, the mission was set because my daughter had moved to New York from here and uh, she was finishing up the, her furnishing her apartment and she left an electric piano here and I said that I would deliver it. So I, you know, took it over to um, uh, UPS and they wrapped it up. And then I checked it in, uh, you know, onto the plane and right. took it, took it uh, back to the hotel. And then the next morning walked it a few blocks to her apartment and set it up. So that was the ostensible mission. But while I was there in New York, I had to stay a week because I was trying to, you know, take out some, well, I saw a lot of friends and different combinations and, um, I saw Susan and Susan said, how come you only, you, you didn't uh, use my name on the uh, New York magazine episode. I said, come on, come on. We'll, we'll, we'll get you on a, ne a future episode. I had no idea we were even allowed to say her name. Yeah. The, to uh... utter, to utter the name. But anyway, um, so uh, I was there a week until I could get together with uh, my in-laws and, and take them out to thank them for looking after my daughter. Um, when uh, it turns out that my favorite band, Chuck Prophet and the Mission Express, was playing New York. And uh, I got uh, two tickets for the, I think it was the late show. Yeah, the early show was at City Winery, which is a small spot. Uh, the Loft, which is the smaller space, uh, had sold out. And I put myself on the waiting list. And then lo and behold, there was a, a guy who had two tickets to the early show uh, who um, couldn't go. He was going to see the Feelies instead. And so um, I took his tickets for the early show and then they added a late show and I had two tickets to that. So um, I, I grabbed a, a buddy of mine who also likes Chuck Prophet and we, we went and I said, we'll go to the early one. We'll have a, a meal. And if we feel that you know that's enough, then we'll, we'll, we'll skip the late show. But we ended up staying through. But it was lucky that I was at the early show because the, the tickets that I got from this guy were like one, two tables from the stage. And, you know, I could see him, Chuck, real close. And I guess he could see me because he was, um, he had just finished uh, doing Bad Year for Rock and Roll, which is a, you know, a great song. Starts out, uh, the Thin White Duke took a final bow. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the, the toward the end, there's a little, phrase you know where's my rock and roll so um you know here i was in new york and this was my rock and roll so all of a sudden out of nowhere 
he starts to begin to introduce um, his song about called Nixon land, which is a very gonzo esque type song. Right. And he goes, Hey, is Alan hoving here tonight? And I'm like going, Hey, over here. And he says, Oh, is that you over there? And I said, yeah. And here's my rock and roll. And then he starts telling the audience how I worked with Hunter Thompson. And I guess it was his, you know, seg into the Nixon land uh, song. But uh, if I hadn't gotten those tickets, I wouldn't have been at the early show. And I don't <laughs> right. know. His, I mean, his bit of uh, his craft would have uh, fallen yeah. flat. Yeah. I, unless unless he saw me and knew that. Yeah. He could I, do uh, that. Well, yeah, if yeah. He, yeah. If he knows who you are, I assume. I hope he hasn't been doing that at every show. For the right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think I think he saw me and then he was able to say that because obviously, if you know, if I hadn't been there, I doubt he would have mentioned it but um anyway so you know we stayed for the first set and then we just decided to stay on for the second set and it was a lot of fun and i think it was one of the first indoor things you know that i did um so uh a great show and um you know a big thrill to get you know called out from the stage he thinks i got him on letterman you know because of the uh connection with sheila you know that story. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I used to pester her to, uh, you know, to go see him, and she booked. Uh, she used to book the Letterman shows, so right. um, he got on. And then forever after that time, he always said, "Oh, you know, Alan got me on Letterman." No, Sheila got you on Letterman. But uh, anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed the, uh, the the visit. But it was kind of I was kinda, I kind of had enough after a week. You know, have you been back there much? Not in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, it It's like weird because it's so, you know, like you go back and like you remember some diner you liked and you go and now it's a branch of a bank. Exactly. And, you know, everything is like all screwed up. And, uh, right. you know, um, I, you know, I was there 10 years ago for a business thing and I got a um, hotel through Priceline where you like you was one of these deals where you say what neighborhood you want to be in hmm. and, and like you bid how much you'll pay for a room right. yeah but you don't pick the specific hotel right so um i one of the neighborhoods that i selected was lower manhattan or i don't know what however they tribeca Downtown, i guess it was yeah and um i wound up with this hotel room that it's called the world hotel and it overlooked the uh the world trade center site hmm. and I, I was just reminded of this because it was just 10 years ago and a thing came up on my phone that it was like 10 years ago it was like showing me photo taken 10 years ago hmm. and but the thing is occupy wall street was going on at the time hmm. and it was like two or three blocks from the hotel so uh i well i took a bunch of pictures there but there was one night that i went to the um the Occupy Wall Street General Assembly, which was really kind of interesting. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was, uh, it, it was like their, um, well, you know, as the name says, it was like the Occupy Wall Street. It was like their idea of a Congress mm -hmm. and people would, would like get up and give speeches. And, and they had this like whole thing, like people would like kind of like, like, uh, like, 
wave their hands in the air to like signify that they agreed with what the person was mm. saying. Mm -hmm. And they had like all these hand gestures and things. And uh, they also had that weird thing where um, they weren't allowed to have an system mm. they couldn't get a permit for a sound system so they did what they called the human mic do you do you remember this <laughs> i do Where, what somebody would talk and then like the people like close to the stage would repeat it and then like the people farther from the stage would repeat it so yes. you would have this weird thing and like the it but anyway i was just thinking about this because these pictures came up on my phone like a week or two ago that uh you know, it had been 10 years since, uh, since I, I had mm. been there. I had like assembled an album of all these photos uh, when I got home, I guess. But the, but it was, uh, I thought, Oh my God, I had been at the Occupy Wall Street General Assembly. That was, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, when I, it, your name is in the database. Well, see, that was the funny thing because I was walking around and, uh, like people were like looking at my Irish face, probably thinking I was a detective. <laughs> and then like the cops were like staring at me thinking like, I must be some, you know, you know, Trotskyite from out of town right. that they don't recognize right. or something. It was like, everybody mm -hmm. was giving me dirty looks. Like everybody mm -hmm. thought I was like, you know, On everyone thought side. I was up to no good for, you know, no reason. I, As I was, Dustin Hoffman said in little big man, the Indians thought I was a white man, and the white men thought I was an Indian. Exactly, I was in I was in the Jack Crab universe there. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the uh, no. When you mentioned being back in New York, that that was the first thing that came to mind. Was the, right. the one time I went back of Occupy Wall Street. There you go. Okay, and, well, uh, we'll have to delve into that because uh, I actually walked across the Brooklyn Bridge that day. You know, so so we'll have oh, to oh the day of the yeah the day of the first big thing yeah yep. yeah that was yep. uh we'll trade yeah, stories yeah. yeah i remember i was sort of following along with that on twitter they, they arrested a bunch of people and yeah right. it was uh yep. yeah it was pretty crazy you know all right so. well we'll pick up there the next time but i think we've done thanksgiving and the beatles uh good you know proud and uh We'll, we'll come back in two weeks with a with a whole bunch of new topics. Yeah, and now we're allowed to uh, to mention Susan's name, so that's interesting. Yes. We we and, should and do we'll an episode. Yeah, we we'll should do an episode where, like, you know, every two minutes we just say, "What what, what would Susan think about?" You know, we'll just no, we no, we're going to actually get her on and see I how many her, times we can mention her in one one episode. If she but, could give us a full report on um, what was it, senior dental issues or something? What was that? What was that topic? Uh, anyway, we'll yeah, ask she, her when she's back on, and we yeah, might that had, might be our best, our our most popular episode. You know, when we take up the senior dental issues. Well, she has various specialties. Yes. Know, All right, be, we'll bring her on. Until so. then, bye for now. Okay, take it take easy. Care. Bye bye.